Hello, and welcome to the Coronation Asset Management podcast series, where we discuss everything around wealth and investment management, identifying trends in financial markets, as well as topical themes. I'm Guy Chartarisky, Head of Research at Coronation Asset Management, and I will be your host, steering these conversations. Today, I'm joined by Coyote Akindele, CEO of Coronation Capital, and together we're discussing the role of US dollar investments when it comes to Nigerians wishing to save their money and preserve their capital. Kaede, welcome. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. Kaede, it's been a while and uh, we've seen quite a huge demand from our customers for US dollar savings products. What's behind that? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think one is um, a rare people have seen their savings. Uh, depreciate over time, especially around our savings. There's a lack of confidence in the central bank and sort of monetary policy. And so people are looking for willing to try and keep their savings. Again, valuable savings anyway. So the amount as a store of value has the confidence in that is depreciated. So looking for dollars to restore that. And so sort of people are looking for the pretty nice dollar returns they're seeing, um, especially if you look at the Austrian rates. And so people are looking at their investments. I try and rock in some of those rates you know, at this point in time. So I guess there are two things going on. One is a lack of confidence in saving NARA if you're looking at fixed income and deposits. And the other thing is the attractiveness of US rates. Let's start with the NARA. It's four years almost to the day when NARA interest rates crashed. I remember November 2019. And suddenly in T-bill rates and bond rates, you couldn't get a return that equaled the rate of inflation. That stayed with us for four years. It's still the situation as we speak. Um, and in the same time, I guess the currency has depreciated against the dollar too. We've been through a period of monetary policy. We're beginning to see some of the effects of that. And the truth of the matter is that with the inflation differential between the dollar and the wire, you, you expect to see some depreciation where apples are artificially held. Um, I see the new government is coming in um, but to new um, economic leaders grow in the CBM government, whereas publicly stated that we want to go back to orthodoxy. We're beginning to see that in terms of the 31 items that returned to the FX table. Um, the Irma option, that's about 21%, uh, which is right close to inflation list, track back FPI. And we're thinking about zero rising interest rates as we go forward. So, um, Obviously, there will be the dislocations as we try to address those issues. Um, we're a scene in terms of the ethics market, especially there are um, supply in Nigeria, is that there is a lack of supply for various reasons. I mean, the CBR balance sheets, um, as is seen when there are still kinds of final release, um, have a net of, especially of balance sheet exposure. Um, and also, with the issues that have the oil market and a lot of the swaps that the NMPC and the government done previously, which has tied up a lot of barrels um, to raise money in the last three or four years. Um, until we see an uptick in supply of dollars, those barrels going to continue to be under pressure. Great. I guess our listeners will learn a little bit more about this by the time the podcast goes out. Some of these issues will have been resolved or not resolved uh, in a week or two from now. 
Yeah, I think I think the Ramu's passion is over. So, for example, the reports that of the around seven billion dollars in forward swaps that CBR has with uh, banks in Nigeria, uh, about ten percent of that was paid until uh, next week. So, I mean, out of roughly seven billion, between five hundred and six hundred million, depending you speak to, was paid in those forwards, which helps because the rest of those forwards are for customers. And our clients, especially importers, and travel for dollars for the pay for one letters of credit. So that will help. Um, but I think it's sort of a gradual process of trying to rectify the market, increase confidence, increase supply, and get to a, a landiness where the value of the buyer should be against the dollar. So here we are. And as things stand, our customers are looking for dollars, they're looking for dollar investments. Now, I remember three years ago, you would say, What's the risk-free rate? How much is the U.S. government paying out in terms of interest on its bills and bonds? It's about sort of half a percent or something like that. Uh, over the past two, two and a half years, it's gone up to close to 4%. You know, two-year bond is yielding 4.9%, 10 years, 4.7%. That's risk for money. That's the kind of um, interest rate that you would take at this stage. Depends on my risk outlook. Um, for uh, capital preservation, yes, definitely. This free US 10 year 5%, you lock that in. Um, those are devils. Um, what has happened in the past, generally, for one of my general uh, investors, is that they've looked at trying to get yield in dollars and also looked at the capital appreciation um, positions. Um, and euro bonds are very popular. Um, with the issues we've had with the Ghana euro bonds, where people behave like euro bonds were risk free. Uh, I think they're they not risk-free. Um, I mean, seeing more of them spread wide, especially also in Nigerian ones, the people are looking at potential other um, silver investments um, and the type of returns they see in the U.S., onshore U.S. Um, there's a lot of interest there. Um, there's still a lot of interest in trying to fund um, dollar investments in Africa uh, outside energy. So obviously there's always required in currency dollars in oil and gas, especially when you see the, a lot of the Western banks that usually fund oil and gas investments have stepped to Wall Street. Um, so there's a gap in that market, which um, some people are trying to fill. But I think for every investors, um, especially those who are trying to build up dollar savings, um, it's quite a rich food for the royalty investors. And let's go back to this issue of long-term rates, because it's interesting that you, you have a, a pretty strong view, and I would share it, that um, to lock in a, a U.S. government bond at close to 5% over 10 years looks like an excellent deal. But I've read somewhere that China is selling U.S. Treasury bills, selling U.S. dollar bonds. That's what's pushing these rates up. I mean, is that a serious danger, do you think? Or does it merely mean that U.S. rates are going to be nice and they'll be on offer there for a bit longer? I mean, there's a significant seller from China. Um, China has had its economic problems. Um, seen a couple of real estate companies, uh, pretty large ones, that have started defaulting on their bonds. And the government's trying to improve liquidity in their economy and keep it going. And China's obviously a key cog in Europe in the global economy, selling off US treasuries as we go forward on that. Um, so they're speculating that that's linked to the increased. Um, Hostility between the US and China, but I think it's more of like economic reasons rather than political, to be honest. Um, 
expect, I mean, the demand for U.S. treasuries are still there. Other old roles have increased their stakes. We have a cash-rich Middle East that basically have a lot of cash from their higher oil price. And they're using to invest, not just in U.S. treasuries, but also in U.S. real estate. So that demand is still there. But I think um, as we go forward, the U.S. can't continue borrowing at the rate it's borrowing at the moment, which is significant. If you look at um, from COVID to now, I think we've seen quite a significant amount of terrible charges ever issued, having issued during that period. <laughs> and that just can't keep on going on. And it's going to account for school balancing in regards to that. But I think it's a good time to work in those, those rates, as you say. So you've sort of three quarters sold me on getting into some U.S. government bonds at 10 years, close enough to 5%. Now, shouldn't they go and buy some other U.S. assets, uh, some real estate or some equities, for example? Um, I think it's tough. I mean, for general level, Richard Islands, I don't know if it's in Nigeria and Africa, they bought real estate, I don't know, numerous um, central investments, some because they have ties there, kids' education, various other things. I think the new market is under pressure. Uh, if you look at the commercial interest rates, uh, collapse of likes of WeWork, the clear road shut down, you're seeing um, quite a lot of vacancies um, in commercial real estate. Um, rents have gone down. Um, but you're seeing a push by some of the big banks, especially to try and get people to come back to work and instead of working. But I think there's still a real um, downside in commercial real estate in the US. In terms of residential, um, given where interest rates are at the moment, for a lot of people are given the high valuations of these properties. And um, people are coming under pressure in these mortgages. And you're seeing increased frequency. I think there's going to be more pressure in the residential real estate market. So, as an investor, it might make sense to wait a year or two. Prices might come down significantly, and it's very good place to enter. Um, if you currently have uh, a mortgage in the US, um, and you know, a fixed mortgage, you're better looking at how you're going to refinance that as an affordable loan. So you've got me almost over the line. I suppose in some ways it's easier for me to take one of the offerings of the asset management companies in this country. They offer US dollar portfolios. I can get in with a relatively small sum of money, certainly much smaller, and with less commitment in terms of time and capital than would be involved in a U.S. real estate deal. Um, so I'm almost over the line here. But shouldn't I just go and buy something that's valuable in dollars and keep it? Why don't I just take my dollars and go and buy um, a car, for example? Surely that will hold its dollar value over time? A car is the worst investment you can make. Really? You lose 20% of the value. I thought I was a to be honest. Um, but I think the, you're looking at pressure on the second car market. Um, you're seeing uh, prices of tanks in the last few years. Um, I think it to go down. Um, but generally, it's, it's never a good idea to buy a car um, just from a financial literacy point of view. Because, uh, especially a brand new car. I saw the usual 25% of what was driving. I was glad to finance it. Um, but in terms of real US assets, um, I think equities are still overvalued. US equities are still overvalued. You can, with the right manager or the right stock picking, you find some value still somewhere. Um, commodities, I think we are probably beginning to see potentially the start of another oil super cycle over the next four or five years. Uh, China is big 
the commodities are we going to see the prices of copper and whereas other commodities go down um, it's unclear uh, the price of cocoa is expected to go up because they're a bad crop in Cote d'Ivoire when they're seeing 25 they're estimates 25 percent less volume of cocoa um, this year than they did last year um, so commodities could be interesting um, but the issue here is that for sophisticated investors it's easier to get into these things a lot of people do it themselves for less sophisticated investors that want to have some exploration, then you have to find the right managers, right financial managers who actually understand the markets and can understand what their risk profile is and tailor fully to suit where they are. Isn't it strange how often China comes up when we're discussing the US dollar? Um, bonds, they're selling off portfolios of US dollar T bills and bonds. And we mentioned it again in connection with commodities. How much does China affect this overall equation? China is a very significant win. Um, I mean, the first one is that US, US dollars is a currency, global trade currency. So any most global trade is done in US dollars. So and China is a big sink for commodities, US treasuries as we discussed. And so demand from China requires affects the prices of those commodities and leads to demand for dollars to pay for those for these commodities. Um, so China is very close and very key. And during the height of globalization, where China was a factory of the world, um, basically China basically sold this inflation to the rest of the world. Now we're seeing that unravel, and that's what the inflationary pressures are seeing, and you're seeing like big rooms like in the US trying to unsure and a lot of the manufacturing back. And I think where previously we were looking at inflation of 2% and less on the medium to long term scale in terms of the US, I think as we discussed earlier, uh, you're probably going to see a higher inflation target maybe around 3 4% in that angle. But, I mean, the key thing is, will China continue to provide demand for commodities and uh, there are US, US dollar-based products that will help drive the global economy? Um, that remains to be seen. I mean, China is under a bit of pressure, uh, but you still basically more part of the global so that comes probably to the last point in this overall discussion about whether dollar investments are a good idea. And this is this great BRICS idea, that BRICS, which uh, originally started off as Brazil, Russia, India, and China, uh, is going to expand, and they're going to print their own reserve currency, and the dollar's going to be relegated to the second tier. How realistic is that? I don't think it's very. Um, we've had this cycle of everyone I mean, better since Second World War has been the global currency. Um, we've had cycles where the Japanese yen was going to become the global currency in the 80s. Uh, Chinese yuan and Indian was going to be the global currency as a world worked out. Um, so you say ebb and flow, but I think that will still be very important to that. I think in BRICS, there's a lot more is made about, especially with that expansion. But if you look at the countries that have joined BRICS now, Unless they're still in the US orbit, and it's unlikely that they're going to leave that orbit in that sense. Um, but I think the influence of the US might wane more, but I think it will still be significant. Um, I mean, one big thing that has affected the use of the US is ever since the retro from the US has basically, revenue authorities have basically looked at the anyone that uses US dollars for what type of reason their regulators have. Oversight, as far as the U.S. is concerned, and that, and you see that in files to companies that don't operate in the U.S. or U.S. U.S. dollars and 
So a lot of people are more wary of using restaurants because of that. But I think um, going forward, used to have US dollars more significant part of it. So we think that US dollars will be around as the reserve currency of the world for some time to come, certainly for the investment horizon that we're thinking about. We've discounted holding US real estate in the short term, perhaps. Um, US equity is possibly overvalued, and we've, we've discounted the idea of buying some sort of hard assets like a US-valued car and holding that. So this does point us towards financial dollar investments. Would that be a fair, a fair summary? I think so. I think so. I mean, the good thing about those is that you can actually structure timber, your financial instrument to suit what your risk outlook is, especially if you have the right advisor. In that sense, in the world of product. And I think generally we have to look at where the pockets of this demand is coming from and from the Nigerian angle. We have Nigerian Jamaris who are based right now just out of Nigeria. So they're looking at more big ticket items, big moves in bus worlds, and we're buying kind of mid or, or uh, commercial residential, and various other I'm kind of give out portfolios in your scholars. They have a middle class um, who are through the squeeze in terms of value appreciation. We'll see what savings erode in terms of value. Um, the overvalued narrow that was subsidized by CBR at the time, which is no longer the case. To that extent, paid for things like school fees, federal school fees, foreign holidays, and in consumption needs. I think now you'll see where it's more expensive than usual. And so for a lot of those people who have 10000 to $100,000 equivalent that they want to invest to try and maintain as a store of value, they're looking for those scouts of as a group of U.S. equities, ETFs, um, U.S. treasuries, anything that can lend store that value because they're less confident in there as a store of value. But two, they can get some returns in there. So I'm aware as investors, especially those who enter dollar assets early, with the devaluation, they've seen their dollar value of those assets increase even without any returns. Just from changing, if you're chunk Naira to dollars in January, you'll see probably 50% or more increase in value in terms of Naira without doing anything. That money just sits in that account. You know, it doesn't matter of value. And so it's hard to argue against that in a lot of investors. Indeed. Well, to be fair to our monetary authorities, they have only got their feet under the desk for a few weeks as we speak, and we're going to give them a chance, I guess, uh, to sort this thing out. And there's quite a lot of confidence, I believe, uh, in that process. But for the time being, I will thank you very much for your comments and your guidance here. Kayoda Akindele, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Kai. Great, sir. Thank you for listening. It has been a pleasure having you share this time with us. Do well to look out for the next episode and share the Coronation Asset Management Podcast across your network. You can also connect with us at coronation.ng for more insights. Until next time.